Hello again, everyone, and welcome to the Rotten Horror Picture Show. The podcast, it's a horror podcast where we talk about the 200 best and highest rated horror movies on RottenTomatoes.com. That's what it is. Good job. Thank you. And uh, today, we are going to be talking about number 170, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, and we have a guest on with us. Special guest. From our sister or brother or sibling show, <laughs> uh, Real Ripe, Real Rotten, we have Wes. Wes, how are you doing? Good, thanks. Gender is uh, outdated anyway, Clay, so it's not brother or sister, it's just them. It's yes. the them yes, podcast. And- <laughs> um, <good. laughs> Gender how- is a construct. How are uh, How are you guys? Good. I'm good. I'm Clay, obviously, and with me, as always, is Amanda. Amanda, how are you? I'm all right. I'm getting over a wonderful cold that Excellent. I am fully prepared to give to you, Clay. Oh, I've got it coming at me from all angles, so I'm, <laughs> so far I'm dodging bullets. Um, yeah, Wes is on because on our uh, uh, sibling podcast, we covered uh, Wes Craven, his highest and lowest Rotten Tomatoes scored movies, which well, and his in a middle one as well, which were uh, Scream... Vampire in Brooklyn and A Nightmare on Elm Street, so we thought it would be appropriate to have Wes back on to talk about this one, because this was we were on the fence about doing this one, and mm. I was I was really interested in doing it because we had Nightmare on Elm Street, and so having the bookend I thought would be good. So I'm glad we get to talk about it now. Uh, have either of you seen this movie before? I had not. No, I've never seen it no? before. No, and to be no. clear, we were going to. Um, choose this as his potential B-roll for Rush, yes. uh, Real Ripe, and we decided to go with Scream instead, because I think Scream makes more sense for Wes Craven than this one yeah. does, so I, I, yeah, I, I think to answer so your too. question, I have I have not seen this movie before watching it for this. Yeah, I, I, was, I was pushing for this one only because I thought it was an interesting uh, pairing with Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, but it doesn't matter, because we get to do it now. Yeah, and I'm you, actually excited that we had done Scream as well, because yes. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting interplay between... All three of them. I think so, too. Mark it. Comment mark. Okay, and action. It's seven films later. The actors are assembled. Stop. The effects artists are hard at work. A little bit more blood. More blood. Wes Craven is making a new Nightmare on Elm Street. And cut. Print that, Gretchen. But this time, the world he's creating seems to be coming true. <laughs> he's decided to cross over. Freddy Krueger returns. Out of films, into our reality. And he wants more than revenge. Maybe you should tell me your dream. <laughs> Miss me. He wants life. Nancy. It's been giving me Freddy nightmares. Freddy? Has in me. Is it a movie? How would you like to join us in the definitive nightmare? I thought you killed Freddy off. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> Until mommy gets back, don't fall asleep. Is it a dream? <laughs> or is it real? Never play in the cat. For everyone who ever believed Freddy's dead. Prepare yourselves for the For the real story. Wes Craven's. The story. The story for a movie. New Nightmare. Feature maker. You mentioned this is this is 170 on the Rotten Tomatoes. 
list? Yes, number 170. So I, I guess what I take from that is that there are at most 169 great horror films. Is that is that a fair thing to say? <laughs> uh, yeah. Wow, you, you should have just seen the heartbreak on Clay's face. <laughs> no, honestly, no, no. Because I, so this is a movie I've seen a handful of times. Um, and I've been told by the world mm. that this is a masterpiece. Oh. That this is like, uh, you know, this is the best Nightmare on Elm Street movie. Um, it's a, it's a great meta, meta commentary on horror movies. And I really want that to be true, Mm. but I just, I don't think it's really all there. I think some of that's there. Um, but you know, not everything. And to get into it, it's, uh, as I said, it's a hundred number 170 on this list. It's, uh, it's Rotten Tomato score is 80%. It's adjusted scores eighty two, which I still don't know what that. I should probably look that up. At there's some point. there's a lot of three out of fives making that an eighty percent. Though if you go yeah. through mm. and look at it, it's a lot of like this is this is fine, but you know yes. three out of five. Yeah, th- yeah. This is fine. Yeah, like that meme with the dog in the burning right. building. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. It's der- nothing spells. <laughs> sorry, but yeah, nothing. Nothing speaks to like higher quality than the three out of five and giving it the little ripe tomato. But th- that's the, the flaw of the yeah. rotten tomato meter. Is that well, I if guess. you've noticed, they've had to like come up with a secondary tomato it's the mm. one that says certified fresh on it yes because yep. it's like it's not just it's it's not just over 50 it's like over 85 and this one actually i think has that on mm. it oddly enough but huh. uh directed by wes craven uh it's from i think 1994 and it stars heather langenkamp robert england david newsom and miko hughes and amanda what happens in this movie <laughs> In this movie, reality and fantasy meet in unsettling ways in this installment of the long-running horror series, which finds director Wes Craven and actors Heather Langenkamp and Robert Englund all portraying themselves. As Heather considers making another film with Craven, her son Dylan falls under the spell of the iconic disfigured villain Freddy Krueger. Eventually, Langenkamp must confront Freddy's demonic spirit to save the soul of Dylan. Uh, and we would say that things you'll find in this movie include uh, aggressive accessorizing, mm-hmm. crotch-related mishaps, mm-hmm. questionable parenting, once again, poor work-life balance, mm-hmm. and gratuitous John Saxon. Always a good thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so just to kind of jump off what I was saying before, um, I I f- want to like this movie, but I don't mm. think that I do. So interesting. I would like to hear what you guys have to say. Wes, you want to lead it off for us? Yeah, I um, I think this is actively a bad movie, and <laughs> I, I think that I think that it, it for me it really comes down to what we finished up our conversation about Craven as, mm-hmm. which is that I don't think Wes Craven is a good filmmaker. Um, <laughs> like That's I, right, I forgot your blanket mm-hmm, Wes bias. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean he's he's functional, I suppose, but I don't think that he has a he doesn't have a single skill in the director toolbox that I would be like, that is his thing, and he's good at right, it. And right, And I think that this is pretty much that movie. Like, I, I like this much worse than the original Lightmar on, on Elm Street in a lot of ways. Like, I, I just don't... I don't find Craven to be a visually interesting director. I don't think he writes scripts that are very interesting in any way. Mm-hmm. I think that he... The way that he builds his worlds is like counterproductive to the terror that he's kind of trying to drill or into people or make feel real. And mm. so I, I just feel that this is like 
this was such an inert movie. Like there's like nothing moving in it. It's just, it feels like the first hour and a half takes about three hours to get through. And then finally yeah. it breaks into something, but it's just, it just goes and goes. And I just feel, I felt sort of annoyed by it. I, I didn't think it was very good. And I think that people who think that it's a clever movie are overstating what it's actually saying about things. Yeah. It's it. I, my big feeling was that it, doesn't really pick up until she goes to visit Wes at his house mm. and he kind of lays out what's going on. Everything before that, there was like one or two ideas. I was like, all right, that's kind of interesting. But aside from that, I felt the same way. It's just a, n- not a lot happening and it doesn't yeah. feel like it goes anywhere. Amanda, what do you think? I agree with what you guys have been saying and it's interesting it's interesting to know, Clay, that you don't really like this movie because mm. since you had suggested it for our B-roll on uh, Real Ripe and Real Rotten, I was watching it with the assumption. I was like, all right, Clay likes this movie. This might be where Clay and I's taste in horror movies mm. diverge. My, my suggestions do not always equal recommendations. <laughs> or, or like, An endorsement. Like, Twitter, Twitter yeah. retweets do not equal endorsements. <laughs> exactly. Endorsement. Yeah. yeah. No, I, yeah. I find it... Uh, I, the thing that I found interesting about it is I, I wanted to... I like the idea of looking at... The, the first one and then mm. the last one, yeah. you know, as, as a bookend and how his approach changed. I think he, I, I think this movie's fairly lazy for about 90% of it, is at yeah. least visually anyway. Uh, but continue. Oh, yeah. But um, I would say about this that the things that this movie almost does, like that are that, the, the almost interesting things about this movie mm-hmm. are done better in Scream. Yes. Like if there are yes. elements of this movie that you kind of like or you wish went a little bit further or were a little different, like the meta commentary, some of the humor, I think all of that's done better in Scream. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot in this that is ends up in Scream, too, yeah. where you've got the, the creepy phone call guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's one of my notes says that Wes Craven must just be haunted by telephones. Yeah, well, all actually, the time. that was something that actually happened to Heather Langenkamp in real life. Oh, that they worked really? into it. Yeah. Uh, Oof, that it, poor thing. This was one of those movies where, like, real life things ended up falling in. So that was one. There actually was a giant earthquake in LA mm-hmm. right around the time they were shooting this. So they did a lot of second yeah. unit that was just, you know, B roll of actual wreckage. My, my husband was in that earthquake. Oh, that's a, right. He yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. He, was there, he was out in California as a kid on vacation, and, yeah. and there was that crazy earthquake. He's fine, though. Is he? <laughs> <laughs> Severe head damage from uh, something, yeah. something falling. <laughs> I mean, he married me, so <laughs> you know why. Anyway. You know why. Um, well, I, I think the the way that I'd actually be interested in starting this is because I think Scream is effective because Scream's mm. meta is understandable in what it's talking mm-hmm. about. It's it's making right. fun of horror tropes. It's making fun of like the the horror movie as a genre. Yes. I don't I don't really get a sense of what this is commenting on. I like the mm-hmm. the only thing that I can kind of take away from it is that. It seems almost like it's a commentary on fame and being a star of a movie that blows up and you can never really escape it, sort of like he and I I feel like I feel like Craven is almost disillusioned with the franchise at this point. And I wonder, you know, they say that there are scenes in this that he's just sort of remaking from the original where the girl gets dragged to the ceiling and killed and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking this is really boring. And it either seems like he's redoing it because he doesn't have a fresh idea or because the more the more generous thing to say about it would be, is he doing this because he thinks that sequels are just redundant repetition of things you've already done before? Like, what, is, what, is he, what does he think about this movie and why is, why is the meta aspect 
so difficult to pin down in what he thinks he's talking about here because I, I don't really it doesn't have this clean through line like Scream does and I think that's kind of a problem with it but it doesn't hold my attention because I can't really grab onto what he wants to what he wants to say with this movie yeah there was there's one scene in it that I actually thought was the most interesting and I thought it felt to me at the time anyway that it was the clearest uh thematically about the stuff that he was kind of dealing with which was the talk show scene yes that's exactly what i was thinking of when wes was talking yeah where uh heather lang and camp is on a talk show and uh the talk show host is just peppering her <laughs> with questions about like what's freddie like in real life and she's kind of getting annoyed by it and then robert england in full freddie makeup surprises her and comes out, and the entire crowd is dressed like Freddy and waving. Yeah, they have signs. They've got signs, toys, and everything. And yeah. he's like, he says, "You're all my children now," which is, you know, a line from the second one. <laughs> um, and I was watching that, going like, "Oh, that's really interesting." Commenting on this idea of like children uh, fetishizing this child killer, this, yeah, this well, evil ch- children monster. and everyone, right? Like, yeah. adult, adults too. Yeah. But I ultimately don't think that's really the what he's doing because it it's later on in the movie he talks about Freddy being this ancient evil that is all obviously this is all bullshit, but it's not <laughs> but real. He delivers it very when seriously giggling. when he's talking yes. about it. Yeah. But it, he he talks about Freddy being this ancient evil that is contained by stories until the story gets homogenized or like or it sells out and he's he's actually he's very like tongue-in-cheekly critical of the whole series like you're saying Mm. Wes. yeah um but i i thought that scene in uh on the talk show was an interesting moment but the rest of it didn't really follow it up i thought what do you guys think yeah no i i i agree with that yeah I don't know what really what else to say about it. It's kind do, of a Do you have any other thread? Like I'm I'm genuinely curious because I thought I might be missing something about what this mm-hmm. movie is, but I, I just don't think he's clear enough. I think the script yeah. is weak. I I don't think that he yeah. is It's got like it's got like two or three cool ideas and then the rest of it it's it, it uh, you know when I was saying it's uh it doesn't really pick up until he lays out to Heather exactly what's going on. Mm-hmm. And then it just kind of turns into a fairly routine horror movie. It yeah. seems like everything before that is where he's kind of putting in his heady ideas. But even there, Wes, I agree. He's got like two. They're not super clear. And then eventually it's just like, well, she's got to go save her son from the monster with claw hands. <laughs> yeah. This this movie feels like, honestly, again, sorry, English major bullshit. Um, it feels like a first draft. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like the first draft of an idea that's going to become Scream. Like, I've had so many teachers say that like when you write your first draft the good point you get to at the very end is what you need to write your entire next draft about right and that's what this this kind of feels like 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 he's he's working through it he's working through some ideas is it about like fandom and fame mm-hmm. um and people kind of fetishizing the bad guy at the expense of the hero and heroine or is it about you know trauma between from passed down from generations mm-hmm. is it about you know, metatextual horror movie stuff or is it about storytelling? It's like right. he, he hasn't figured out what he really wants it to be about yet. Mm-hmm. Well, he's and also confusingly against because the 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 uh, the black doctor character is yeah. like basically anti-horror <laughs> movies. So he's right. He's also commenting on people who think that horror movies are no good. So he's like he's and mm. and that character is named after someone who works for the MPAA who he constantly would butt heads with oh, really? he was oh. trying to get his movies rated. Yes. Sure. 
So that was Clay's trivia corner. Mm. So I, I would agree that it's a it's a first draft. I, I would say that it's maybe like a brainstorming session that he just kind of wrote out <laughs> at that point, and he didn't really finalize what he wanted to talk about. But I just think that it might be too it might be too personal to Craven in a way. Mm. Like Scream mm. is not that because as a as a horror genre viewer, you can kind of relate to Scream in a way that this movie maybe is just too close to the vest for Craven to really get what he's talking about across effectively i don't even know if he's doing it well but that's you know like this is a meta meta commentary on the nightmare franchise whereas scream is a meta commentary on horror movies in general so scream is more accessible and also more satisfying because you don't need to have an encyclopedic knowledge of just like wes craven's work you can even just be vaguely familiar with horror movies and enjoy scream whereas with this like I know, like Clay's already pointed out a couple things that are these sort of real-life tie-ins that once I hear them, they're fascinating, Mm -hmm. but the average person isn't going to know that. Wes Craven actually has a really interesting quote about this in comparison to Scream, Mm. and he doesn't say it as a criticism, but I think it should be used as a criticism, which is, he says, New Nightmare was made for the people who made Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. Scream is made for the fans. Mm. And I think that's what's missing and why Scream works and this doesn't really work because it almost feels like it un, until it turns back into Nancy, essentially Nancy versus Freddy for the pa- for the final 15 minutes or so. Yeah. It's kind of a big in joke. Yes. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And I Kruger, think that's Kruger why doesn't show up for an hour and 15 or something like he's, he's just yeah, not, well, he's not he present. had to stop. He had to stop off at the London Fog store and get like a brand new jacket. And I can't. I I fucking hate the way he looks in this movie. Well, I hate the hat. I hate the jacket. I hate the dumb claw. I hate his face. He's I hate got, his like, face. Knee high boots weird on. Snake face. Yeah, yeah. I just. It just. It doesn't. That's one of my other big problems. Is it's it's too clean. Yeah. It feels like you know if you look at Nightmare on Elm Street, the first one, it's gritty. It's you know. It's low budget. It's, it's dark. dark, like yeah. visually dark. Whereas this one has got that scream, bright lighting, yeah. California sunshine all this, the time. This feels like as much as it might be a personal idea, like you said, Amanda. This feels like a. This feels like studio Wes Craven just doing a job. Yeah. There's nothing interesting visually going on. Like there's a, a towards the end there's a couple things maybe. I think I think but, he's a bad visual director in general. I I, yeah. I don't think I, he's I would very generally visually. agree with you. Yeah. 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 I would generally I think I think Vampire in Brooklyn looks better than this movie. <laughs> Shot Ouch. on set, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, uh Wes, you can't see but I actually wore a hat in honor of this Freddy Krueger to this recording. <laughs> it, it's a nice hat. Thank I think you. you might have got it at the same store. Maybe. Yeah. It's like Craven. But Craven is. I think that watching this kind of solidified for him because I'll go on his visual thing a little bit. Like the horror directors that I really like, and it's not like it's a new thing because I think that um, Carpenter does a better job of this than Craven does. There, there needs to be a sense in a horror movie of visual dread to things right and right and craven doesn't seem mm. able to do that even when he has a character who is a burnt pedophile with a claw hand like he <laughs> mm-hmm. he he the, and i think that the problem here is to go back to like kruger's makeup his makeup is so clean and he's so lit to show off the new makeup and how he looks that i think he looks scarier in this movie but he's he's not 
correct for what the movie he's not correct for what freddy krueger is supposed to be so you're left with this like the burning thing is key to the krueger because he's scared of the fire at the end of this movie and if you don't realize it's because Mm. he was burnt him being scared of the fire doesn't make any sense really and And then he turns into a weird demon as he's dying a demon he looks more like inside out boy from the nickelodeon (laughs) show in this like he's just kind of inside out and yep craven can't do the like the carpenter thing of just seeing Michael Myers standing in a bush for a second, you know, and then you cut yeah. back and you don't see him anymore. He doesn't have any of the um, hereditary stuff of like what's in the shadows. Like you see a glimpse of something and he's he shoots everything like it's an 80s sitcom almost like yeah. it's very, very strange and very unterrifying. And I wasn't scared of Nightmare. Mm-hmm. I think this movie's even less scary than the original nightmare there's only one jump scare where he comes out of the closet and you know it's coming and that i would even classify as remotely scary in any way yeah i i i really like the way nightmare the first nightmare is shot i think it's it's a lot more atmospheric and moody and i think a lot of that is because they're hiding they need to hide more stuff and also it's it's a Mm. it's a horror movie it's at night for the most part 90% 90% of this movie takes place like at noon. Yeah, even when people are supposed to be falling asleep. It's yeah. like very very bright. Yeah, like the the opening scene is uh you know they're they're shooting a movie uh and and they're shooting a you know it's a dream but they're shooting a Freddy sequel and it's very brightly lit and then they call cut and it's very bright in there and then like the hand starts freaking out but it's not scary it looks kind of silly yeah i laughed at that scene yeah and then like, the next scene is heather waking up in the morning and then she goes to this thing during the day and then after her husband's killed they have the the funeral in the middle of the day and that's not really scary you know it's and then they get the thing with the kid when he's climbing up onto the thing because he's trying to see god or whatever <laughs> he wants god to take him yeah and that's not really scary i mean that's i mean Maybe maybe that's something where it's like, you know, it's scarier if you have a young child and maybe some of that seeped into this one. Maybe yeah. he didn't have kids at the time or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think he did. Though. I think he did, too. Yeah, because actually his daughter's his in daughter's it. His daughter's like, yeah. yeah. She's like 25 or 30. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, just just as a brief contextualization, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street came out in 1984. Mm-hmm. And this came out in 1994. Yep. And then Scream came out in 1996, right. which I was actually shocked at how close in time this is to Scream. Like mm. a- as many threads as I saw that clearly are leading to something like Scream, just the, the, the way the sets are set up, the, the the way people are dressed and their hair is done. I would have pegged this movie as like 1989. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. feels it. Fe- well, yeah, I think it go to like Wes said. It mostly looks like it's a. It's shot like a sitcom. Yeah, and the lighting's really flat and boring. There's a lot of stuff in like office buildings for some reason. Yeah, uh, where she goes to New Line Cinema, and that's a boring scene. <laughs> and uh, she's backstage after the the uh, talk show. Mm. And that's fairly boring looking. Uh, and I think her house is fairly her, yeah, boring her, looking. She's yeah. got like prints of like. 80s plants her husband is the worst actor i've ever seen in a horror movie potentially terrible (laughs) yeah but that's the that's the other thing about craven craven i know that he's stuck with some of the cast from the original nightmare in this right he has to use lingen camp and stuff like that she's not a great actress but i I thought she was better in this yeah i think she's much better in this than she was in the first one yeah uh, 10 years have passed i guess or whatever but she's not (laughs) She's not. Wes is not buying. Mm-hmm. She's not super effective. Her husband is terrible, and what what happens with 
crave in casting people like this is that it really takes me out of the world and makes me realize this is all a movie. It's like it's like blaring at you that this is a movie. This is a movie. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think it really hurts him a lot. Like, and, and I feel that Scream is kind of the same way, but it works in Scream because Scream is doing something different with it. Like it kind of it wants to do that to you. Yeah. But something like here where I'm supposed to believe that an evil spirit force has taken the form of Freddy Krueger and is right. now and it like I need that to actually feel like it's a real thing and it never feels like it's reality to me. That's that was one of the things I think that made it hardest for me to get into this time was like thirty five minutes in, I'm not buying the concept. Mm. You know, I when you like I said, when you get to the point where Wes Craven is actually telling her what's going on, you're setting up more of like a traditional sort of story. I but have to, to continue point, writing my script. <laughs> yeah, and then you all, you know, from that point on, it turns into kind of like in the mouth of madness a little bit, which is kind of fun. Which also came out yeah. around the same time. Um, but it's still like uh, up until that point, it's like uh, so she's supposed to be. It's real life, but her husband's being killed by a dream monster, and you know and it's, she doesn't seem to care very much. Yeah. After like the funeral happens, and then she's like, I don't know, that's fine. And like if I I feel like it would have been a lot more successful if they and I mean obviously I guess it breaks the concept if you do this, but if they had just pulled like a Halloween, mm. uh, Halloween twenty eighteen, and been like, what if Nancy's not dead? Because, spoiler alert, Nancy dies in the third movie. Uh, But, like, just bring Nancy back. This is Nancy, 10 years later, dealing with what, and just tell her. But I guess that's too normal of a movie and probably not interesting for him. Yeah, I I honestly, I feel like it would have been more interesting if it had been, like, either there was actually this crazed fan who was trying to be Freddy Krueger in real life, Mm -hmm. and maybe there was some, like... You know, slight supernatural hints thrown in, like, is he actually channeling this evil Freddy Krueger or, you know what I mean? Like, that would have been more interesting. Maybe there's already a Nightmare on Elm Street movie about that because there's been so many and I have not seen them all. Clay's Trivia Corner Part 2. Yes. Uh, There was a previous version of the script where the person sending her letters and calling her on the phone is actually the babysitter. Who's being used by Freddy as like a, you know, whatever. Yeah. A, uh, a proxy. Surrogate or a proxy or something. Yeah. <laughs> he's, so he's possessed the babysitter. And yeah, doing more this. or less. Yeah. Uh, which they clearly dropped. Yeah. Um, or even if they had had it be like Heather Langenkamp, the character, um, is actually going crazy. Yeah, because they hint at that too. Yeah. Because she says the thing about she has insanity or schizophrenia in her family and they yeah. do the thing with the kid. Yep. Where they say, oh, well, you know, these things which could be caused from lack of sleep, also could be childhood schizophrenia, you know, and they kind of do that thing. Yeah, they, they um, throw away that really interesting idea where the nurse, when they bring the kid to the hospital, they're like, the mother isn't letting him sleep. And I was like, oh. Right. Yeah, like, that's, yeah, that's, that she's like, like a Munchausen by proxy situation. Yeah, but they don't really play that up in the movie. Like, the the sleep thing is funny because I feel that this character is Freddy Krueger in name only and has like nothing mm. really to do with my understanding of, of what Krueger is supposed to I be. I think, I think if you asked Wes Craven, he would probably agree with you. Cause that's what it feels like mm. Th- that he, that he doesn't think it's Krueger in real like Yes. Okay. Is, is not, that intentional not, or not he canon fucked it up? Kruger. No, I think, I think that that's probably intentional. I think the idea is that this is not Freddy Krueger. This is some other demon other force that is using that as the vessel it's choosing it's okay not, this so, is not like 
Nightmare on Elm Street <laughs> 1, Freddy Krueger. Well, the, the problem with that is that you need Krueger to be a character. And if he's, right. if he's just this evil generic demon, it's yeah. like, what's the point of this? Like, there's no... The, the, yeah, why why have it be Freddy Krueger, quote unquote, at all? At all, right. Yeah. So it's just... No, sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean, it, it, to, yeah, just to finish it, like, if you're going to make it Krueger, I think Craven should have done a better job of the script using Krueger's character to highlight the themes of what he's talking about. Mm. He doesn't do that at all. It's just... Freddy Krueger is a fairly generic character in this, and he's got the claw. He sort of chases people around like Freddy Krueger, which is he can never seem to slash anybody when he's chasing them. And mm-hmm. like he's got stretchy of that, arms. Outside of that final that <laughs> final thing, arm. he's just um, it, it was just a bad decision. If you're going to make it this generic demon, I think you have to thematically tie it into what Krueger is supposed to represent and be something, because otherwise, I'm just watching. Some evil demon that's copying the greatest hits of Freddy Krueger. Who cares? Right. Who cares about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean, it kind of it kind of feels like to me almost two different movies because you've got the first half where they're dealing with Freddy Krueger, the idea, mm-hmm. and then in the second half of the movie, it's like, okay, here's Freddy. Like, here's <laughs> yeah. here's the thing that you came for. It's not supposed to be the exact same thing. This is technically a different thing. And I think you're right, Wes. <laughs> I, I think it doesn't. It doesn't. They don't use it to its fullest potential as far as getting across the themes and stuff i actually think based on the stuff in this story there's a much darker way you could do this story uh you know like you said wes you've got the thing where at the hospital they're saying the the mom isn't letting her sleep they've got these drop these hints that she has schizophrenia and insanity in her family Mm -hmm. um the end of the movie involves her taking a bunch of sleeping pills. That's actually yeah. my favorite where the kid leaves them like Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs. <laughs> I love that. That's the only yeah. thing that I think is really kind of brilliant in the movie. I thought I really yeah. enjoyed that, yeah. That was cool, but again, he's leaving her sleeping pills. Right. So like in order to do save her son and do this final battle with this evil, she essentially overdoses on sleeping yes. pills. Yeah. <laughs> so like there's yeah. a weird Mulholland drive. I was just thinking there's a yeah. David Lynch movie underneath all of this. Where you've got the uh the idea of Freddy Krueger and and everything that comes with it has driven Heather Langer Heather Langenkamp insane. Yeah. And she's now projecting onto her son and uh, it ends with her thinking she's saving her son, but she ends up killing herself by overdosing yeah. on sleeping yeah. pills, yeah. which is honestly a much more interesting movie. Yeah, I mean, it gives you a, it gives you a lot more to uh, think about. Yeah. Um, going back to Scream for a minute, uh, it's interesting. Is it interesting to you guys mm. the way it is to me how Scream comes out two years later, like you said, Amanda, mm-hmm. is very, very successful with a new property where this is similar an idea using a very very well-known property and essentially flops i think it makes sense because i i think like we were saying earlier the concept the 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 sort of overarching like what is he trying to say Mm -hmm. wes craven has uh, you know what is he trying to convey with this movie is more developed in scream and i think it did a really smart thing by like like you said the the quote is uh that that new nightmare is for the sort of inner circle and then scream is for the fans Mm -hmm. the fans are a much bigger audience that that makes it a lot more accessible and fun for a lot more people so it may it makes sense to me that scream is more successful despite being sort of a newcomer Mm -hmm. on the scene well you'd think that 
Nightmare on Elm Street has a huge fan base. So if you're doing something metatextual about that and you're doing callbacks to that, you would think that that would those fans would respond to it. Yeah, and I think some of them did, but, but like for instance, look at look at what's just happening right now with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. There are lots um, and lots of hardcore Star Wars fans yes. who are <laughs> deeply unsatisfied with each and every new release. Right. Um, there's something kind of wrong with it because they're so invested. They're so involved. They care so much mm-hmm. that if there's something that sort of doesn't, doesn't ring true to them and does, doesn't, doesn't seem right to them, it's like a glaringly obvious error. And I could, I could see that happening for, for nightmare fans as well. Yeah. Wes, do you have any thoughts on that? I think, I think Kruger is fundamentally flawed as a character. I like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't think they've ever approached him correctly in these movies um Mm -hmm. i think that his look is iconic and i think the the performance is iconic but for such a like and we talked about it in our coverage of nightmare for such a like imaginative like surreal villain he's surprisingly just physically clunky like it's yeah they don't how do you how do you have this movie where you're doing all this sort of like meta commentary on things like this about what's going on in real life and not have dream sequences in it right. where, where you're seeing the stuff that you're trying to convey to the audience is part of this dream sequence. And that Kruger is there kind of like the, the evil gremlin who's the, you know, the, the gremlin in the machine or whatever. They right, don't do right. anything like that. It's like, well, what's the, what's the point of this? Why do you have this character who can do these dream things and never use him effectively other than chase people around while they knock him over every once in a while? Yeah, the closest they come to to using Freddy effectively in a dream sequence, and it's not even fully Freddy, it's the opening, the opening of the movie where there's the claw. Like, as much as we were kind of saying it's sort of silly, he's way more effective in that. He kills, like, three people right off the bat. (laughs) Did you... (laughs) Did you guys catch that when they're explaining the mechanical claw? One bull the, tendons. Yeah, one of the guys is like, there's like dog and bull tendons in there. It's pretty high-end stuff. It's like, bioengineering. It's <laughs> a cyborg, right. cyborg claw hand. He was thrown out of MIT. Just yeah. wiping blood but, off the corner of his mouth, just like, oh, it tastes delicious, these claws. Yeah. But no, I, I agree. It's especially, again, given the setup of what they have, which is, you know, Heather Langenkamp being uh, affected by the legacy of this movie mm-hmm. and having real life trauma happen to her in this movie yeah. or in this story, they don't blur the line at all. Well, and Craven, Craven to, but, just talks about his dream. He's like, yeah, I dreamed yeah. last yeah. night. Yeah. I wrote a script yeah. about and it. And I think, I think that kind of falls into where I feel like it's really lazy for the most part. Cause I don't, yeah. So the thing I was thinking watching at this time is it feels to me like they they had they didn't have a big budget they saved all their money for the last like half an hour yeah when they do this like he goes down into the like the Parthenon or something yeah, the Greek ruins yeah. that Freddy Krueger lives in yeah. <laughs> I guess it's supposed to be like ancient demon uh, ancient ruins oh yeah whatever. I guess yeah you have to always think work. about that uh, but you know that's really uh, immaculately designed and really dark and lots of special effects going on and there's a couple. There's a few like CGI shots and stuff. So that end sequence was was clearly expensive, and they had the th- the thing where the kids trying to cross the street. I really liked yeah. her yeah. sliding sliding through the bed was cool. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But if that was the case, I think that comes as a, in a it, that does a disservice to the beginning of the movie because then at the beginning of the movie you've just got people talking about stuff, mm. not really doing anything, and it's just kind of shot flat light in a boardroom essentially. <laughs> yeah, and I think they really did drop the ball in terms of telling a really interesting story and using all of the Freddy Krueger stuff to their advantage to sell that story mm. instead of it just sort of being trappings for, you know, kind of a half-baked idea. And I think yeah. there's a another quote from Wes Craven that I think really uh, sums up my feeling as far as this goes, where um, he says, he said there was a early version of the script where he was supposed to be uh, driving around in a van driven by uh, Michael Berryman, the, the big bald guy from uh, The Hills Have Eyes. And he had, Wes Craven had cut his own eyelids off because he couldn't go to sleep because mm-hmm. he needed to continue to write this thing and he's going nuts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then he said, ah, I decided I, d- I would rather shoot at a really nice house. <laughs> and I think that just sums up the whole yeah. thing for me where it's like there's so much they could have done and so much interesting stuff they could have sunk their teeth into, but they just chose to like, all right, you know what? You're going to have a nice pair of pants for this scene. <laughs> why did Why did he come back for this movie? I well, so I think uh, I believe part of it was that he he and Bob Shea, who is the the producer who plays the producer in the movie, um, had been at odds for a long time because he uh, New Line essentially owned all the rights to everything, and he didn't get a cut of any of the sequels or anything. Oh, wow. uh, and so they and they didn't have a great relationship because of what happened after the first movie. They made up. Wes Craven got retroactive cuts of all the sequels, <laughs> as well as a piece of merchandise. So they were they were on fi- at least monetarily better terms. And I think they came to him and were like, "The ten year anniversary is coming up. We'd love to do another one with you. Is do you have any ideas?" And he he said he watched all of them. <laughs> he couldn't figure out what the hell was going on. <laughs> Clearly. And so he decided to just sort of like reconceptualize things and go at it from a different angle, which is what gets you this movie. Yeah. It might be. um, Yeah, it might be like I just related to like the Star Trek podcast kind of Mm -hmm. like you, you, you might watch the it might be Craven's like you're watching the episode of Star Trek. And then when we sit down to podcast, I'm like, I got nothing to say. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) like did Craven just show up on the first day of set? And he's just like, I don't know. I don't care. Like, I, I guess that's the overriding <laughs> opinion about what he was doing. But I'm I'm mostly surprised because it seems like it would be more what you're saying, Clay, makes sense. But it feels like Craven coming back, you'd think he'd have like this. Even if he hated the franchise, he would have a perspective on the thing that he would want to get across. And well, it I, just seems like he doesn't I, really care. I don't know that I would say he doesn't have a perspective because I think the concept itself belies a perspective on the franchise doesn't it because he's being fairly mean to it it does but i think you think he would have a razor honed edge about what he wanted to say about it yeah i i feel like he does have some thoughts about the idea of uh how these movies affect people and how they affect the people who make them which is interesting it's not really that's not really something you get to see that often Mm. is how you know you're always hearing about how horror movies affect the people who watch them you never hear about how they affect the people who made them so that's kind of the angle it seems like that's in this movie but still i think it's not it doesn't feel like it's totally cooked yeah yeah so clay how many times have you seen this five R- R- five? five wow really maybe 
did did it get better or worse with repeated viewings? Um, worse. Okay. So this was one that I saw a long time ago, mm-hmm. and I've watched it subsequent times, like while doing other stuff. It's like, oh yeah, that one's fine. Yeah. It's I when I sat down and watched it this time, I was really hoping that I was going to see. All right, I understand it. This is why everybody loves this movie. This is why it's so critically regarded. But it's just, it just didn't it didn't yeah. work for me. There's one sequence that I thought was great that I thought was like this is what's what I'm here for, which is when Heather is talking to John Saxon, and then they very slowly turn into Nancy and her yes. father, and uh, Freddie's like come up out of the bed and he's sort of peeking out and he's waiting for her to commit to being Nancy before he fully enters the world. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. I thought that was great. But, uh, you know, the rest of it just, it wasn't, the first half of it looks crappy. Yep. Uh, it's kind of half-baked. There's a, maybe a couple good ideas. And then the last half of it's just a fairly standard Freddy Krueger movie. Well, yeah. I, I want to go back. You, you say that this is a commentary on the people making the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Or like what it, what it means to be people who made the horror movie. Are we supposed to interpret from this movie that the making of Nightmare was somehow haunting to people or is it just that they were like the 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 financial and like successful aspects of it were more annoying because i get no sense that making the movie was terrifying if anything the movie seems like it's focused purely on like external factors like the stalking and things like that yeah Yeah. i think it's i think it's supposed to be more like the not the actual making of the movie that was the problem. It was the uh, the legacy of it and how yeah. that affects the people who were involved in it. The fact that like Heather Langenkamp is always seen as Nancy now, right. forever. Right. Like she can't escape that character. There's nothing she can do about it. Mm-hmm. And people are going to be consistently asking her, like, "Oh, what about Freddy Krueger? Would you? What about you know? Mm. What would you do if he was yeah. here right now?" Like she's never going to not hear that. I think the person who gets off like way too easy in this movie is Robert Englund. Oh yeah, he's. he's- <laughs> He's written as like rock star Jesus. Like everybody like loves in, him. He comes in for basically <laughs> 10 minutes of applause. Yeah. And then the next time you see him, he's like g- painting in his beautiful studio. Yeah. And, and he's then like, he's like fucks off and yeah. leaves town. <laughs> some, some review called him uh, Liam Neeson's doofus brother, which yeah. <laughs> is good. I'm, I'm mostly the, the biggest surprise to me being unfamiliar with this movie is that England does not become Kruger in real in real life. Or would you, that would have been just, interesting. That's a great idea. I was just thinking something. Now they should have had Freddie kill Robert England. Ooh, yeah, that would have been fun. You know, yeah. do something. Have him involved. Like if of all the people who are, you know, it, not to not to you know completely recon reconceptualize this it. stuff, but you would think there would be like a core three characters in this movie who are all intensely affected by the story, right? Which are Heather. Wes Craven and Robert Englund. Yes, and so they have their involvement somehow should be fairly equal in terms of intensity. Yeah, if what you're if you're going for this, how the people who made it uh, have been affected by it. But they're the three but, butting heads. You can write them as the butting heads, where Englund is enamored with the Kruger stuff. Sure, sure. Heather yeah. Langenkamp wants to get away from it, and Craven is trying to mix the two or something. Like he's he's the kind of mediary and. Or he's like the H.P. Lovecraft style creator like, ob- of this. Obsessed with the darkness, can't escape it if he wanted mm-hmm. to. I I forgot. I thought that he was the first time he shows up. Uh, Wes Craven was was when she goes to see him. Mm. I forgot he was at the funeral scene. 
he's in, in the, the opening, opening shooting too. Well, he's... that's that's a dream. That's a that doesn't count. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. But he's he shows up at the funeral scene, and I'm and I'm thinking to myself watching this, going like, he's in the middle of writing the screenplay that everything he's writing is happening in real life, and he's just hanging out at the funeral, shaking hands, and like like he's an extra in the background. Yeah, he's he he has no weight to the story other than that one scene and i feel like those three characters should be on much more equal footing or at least yeah. have robert england and Wes craven freaking out a lot more you well know? yeah and it's it's such a sorry um yeah, i just ahead. wanted to just real quick it, it's such a weird thing to find out like two-thirds into the movie that Wes craven the character knows everything that's happening and everything that's gonna happen like right. it's very jarring to find that out that late like there there are hints earlier on with robert england that he's been having nightmares and he's been having dreams. And I think that kind of works. And and then you find out like so far into it that Wes Craven, he knows exactly what's been happening to poor Heather. Like, and he's just letting her like suffer through it without helping yeah. her at all. It's yeah. very jarring. Like, I think like um, imagine if you had a scene after that, after that scene with the, uh, uh, uh the talk show where, mm. uh, Robert Englund doesn't want to get out of, out of his makeup or something. You know, yes. like something where he's <laughs> like, he's being pulled in a certain direction yeah. back towards the monster kind of thing. So he's, you know, they're, they're leaving and he's like, I don't know. I think I might just... I might just go home I like just this. wear this home. <laughs> or, but, you know, something something yeah. like that. Or just something of, subtle. He him... puts on the Kruger hats even if he's not in makeup. Right, yeah. right. You know? or, or he wears the same jacket or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Or in a similar vein, you know, if, 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 say, Wes Craven kept trying to say, like, Heather, I really need to talk to you. And she kept going, look, Wes, I'm sorry. I'm just not going to do the movie. I'm not interested. And he's like, no, no, no. I really, I have something very important to tell you. We have to talk. And she's like, look, I'm flattered. I understand. But it's just not what I'm doing anymore. Like, that could have been interesting too if he was sort of like, I know what's going to happen. I know what's happening yeah, to you he's and your not, family. That scene, he's not very forceful. No, I mean, he, I guess he you could seem to have a sense of urgency. I guess you could kind of read that as, well, he wrote it. He knows it's happening. He knows how it's going to end. He's so the prophet. You yes. know, kind of like a Doctor Manhattan kind of sensibility about it, where yeah. nothing surprises him. But that's boring. Yeah, that's boring. Yeah, <laughs> For or a movie or, where Freddy Krueger is supposed to be reaching up through, you know, <laughs> I mean, driver's seats and <laughs> gently caressing crotches. Yeah. Raven is does have his hands in his pockets for most of us. <laughs> like he, yeah. he's not a man who seems particularly perturbed. He's by like anything. checking. He's like checking his watch while he's telling her that she's in the middle of this grand battle between good and evil. If smartphones existed in this movie, he would one hundred percent have been like scrolling through twitter yeah. while he was come, talking to her how come there's not a scene where heather just goes i don't know why i can't space 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 and then hard <laughs> cut to west craven falling asleep on the keyboard <laughs> i but like as as far as like like a, a layup in this movie that they don't even imply make robert england the guy calling her house yeah yeah easy you know he's freaking out something weird's going on so he's he's even if he's doing it in his sleep yeah there you go yeah. that's a that's bet you should write the movie <laughs> I'm I'm on it I'm ready <laughs> I think they which is a weird thing that never pays off they never pay off that stalker thing at all but I think I th- like judging by what we're talking about here now I think that um I think the biggest mistake that they made was that they didn't take the characters and make them effective enough of an allegory as to what the story is like they yeah he seems yeah. like he's he's treating it too realistically and he doesn't want to create a scene where he can sort of play up the the triple-headed monster that is uh heather craven and england at the same time mm-hmm. and yeah. like i just think if you did that if you made england 
being consumed by the Kruger power because like in, in tying this all into their fame and how they like personally see their careers at that point, that's just a better movie than what they've got going on here where they're, they're just sort of generically cast into these roles and England really honestly doesn't really have a reason to be in this movie out of makeup. Like he doesn't do anything. So I think that was the problem that they didn't. Except for, go ahead. Sorry. No, they just, they didn't go far enough with making a parable of the story. It's too realistic. And and I know I complained about being unrealistic, but it's, it's shot unrealistically (laughs) while being too realistic at the same time. Yeah, like the you mean like the 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 hospital where they just let you walk into the morgue while they're doing autopsies. And, yeah. and Amy was horrified by the nurses tricking her to give the shot to the yeah. son. Oh my god! And yeah. that one nurse who does it looks so smug when yeah. she's done. She's got this look, this like, oh god. You say he doesn't have any ideas. That sounds. That seems like a biting indictment of the United States healthcare. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I think Wes Craven hates phones. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> nurses, and what else? What's a what's a good third one? Um, he hates. Uh, well, he he, <laughs> he he hates not having pockets or something. I was assuming. <laughs> <little bit. laughs> um. So what what did you guys think about uh, Dylan, the son? I see. I thought he was fairly interesting. Really, but I don't think it's really. It, there, there, there was no real thing for me to grasp onto with him. Yeah. As far as like what was supposed to be happening or what wasn't supposed to be happening, it was a little bit. There's another idea where it was like the idea seems like it's kind of good, but the execution wasn't there for me. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's because the last movie we talked about was The Shining, mm-hmm. or that was not the last movie we talked about. We did Frankenstein, but before right. that, we talked about The Shining, and I kind of got the vibe that this was like. Um, a low budget ripoff, Danny Torrance. Sure. Um, which I it just didn't work for me. Like I I found him alternate, like alternately grating and then just sort of empty. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think and, he's and, empty. And that, yeah, yeah, and that would kind of work if you're arguing for this like vessel for Freddy Krueger thing. But I, I feel like they didn't emphasize that enough either. And so there's this sort of you're supposed to get this vibe of it of she's sort of the Wendy. And he's mm. Danny and Kruger's the, you know, the evil incarnate trying to take her son away from her. Right. And well, they I don't, don't know. It just felt it just. Yeah, it didn't work for me. When, when you get into the end. Right. It turns into what what is what is Freddie? Let's use quotes here. What is quote unquote Freddie in this <laughs> movie after? Is he after the kid or is he after Heather? Heather. It's after it's Heather, my, right? Yeah, it's my understanding. Right, because he has to get through her so that he can become real. Right. So once he has them in his hell world, yeah. why does he go after the kid at all? Yeah. He should be like zeroing in on her, unless he's going after the kid in order to like use him or whatever, but they, mm. he never gets to that point. I mean, there there is, uh, like, for me... <laughs> the, the alternate version of this movie is the kid is the one who kills him, right? Yeah. He goes after Heather, and then the kid is the one who... The kid, you know, the viewer of the movie. Right, right. Is the one yeah, who the ultimately audience. destroys the monster. Yeah, but the, so for me the most the most chilling the most chilling line in this movie to me was when Freddie calls her on the phone. Um does the tongue thing again? Yeah, <sighs> but when he first says I touched him. Yeah. That's like a that that was a line that belonged in a much darker version of this movie. Yeah. Because I heard that and I went, holy shit. 
Like that was like the scariest part of this movie. Right. And then they just yeah, then it's just like, yeah, no, we're not we're not gonna talk about that anymore. Yeah. And I, I think that lack of focus is why the why Dylan doesn't super work the way because you know it, he doesn't super work because it, he's not the focus of of the, the story right. but they it seems like they're playing him as the focus of the story this yeah is a, it's like oh sorry god no 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 you, you you go ahead it's i mean to me kruger to me all the way from the original is about parents fearing for their kids and a kind of inability yeah. to help them and like causing damage to them in some indirect way I don't know how you can have this movie with this kid be such a prominent part. And even if you're making it up and Langenkamp isn't like, you know, a a Hollywood celebrity, how her career is not damaging her child where she's away from him. She feels regret for it. And Kruger becomes a symbol of that damage that is happening to this kid. And absolutely. They don't don't do anything with that. It's like, well, why? (laughs) So you end up with the kid who's just there who only seems to exist because when Kruger becomes Freddy Krueger in the last 20 minutes, they need a kid to be prominent right. for that part. For, for a movie that wants to be very metaphorical and very thematic, it's extremely literal. Yeah. And I think that's probably its biggest fundamental flaw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something I think is interesting, when we all talked about uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street... I know I said this. I, I, I think maybe, Clay, you sort of kind of maybe agreed with me mm-hmm. um, that I thought it would be interesting if Nightmare on Elm Street, if there was a version that was told from the point of view of the parents. Right. Yes. This sort of gives us that, but really doesn't. Yeah. And then in, when I, ironically, when I watch this movie, I kind of want it if we're going to have Dylan in it. Right. Yeah. Could we have it from Dylan's point of view where, you yeah. know, he's left alone a lot. I know, you know, the babysitter's around, but mm-hmm. like I have so many notes where it's like, oh, okay, your child's in the hospital and something's going. He's been having like seizures and foaming at the mouth. He tried to kill you with knives. Um, he's alone watching TV leave. a lot of the time. He's yeah. alone watching yeah. old horror movies. Yeah, he's just, yeah. he's alone a lot. and And I think... The fact that yeah. Heather doesn't get committed while she's at that hospital is Holy astounding shit. to me. Yeah. I mean, it's a, clearly a not good hospital. <laughs> but like she walks in. They try. They get close. Freaking out. <laughs> bleeding from the arm. Yeah. Yelling about her where kid. where is my baby? You know, yelling about Freddy Krueger while they're like, I think her kid hasn't slept in like five days. And she, yeah. you know, and they just let her go. <laughs> but obviously, you know, it's a movie or whatever. But um, but yeah, I think that that's. That's an interesting point where it's yeah if you if you tell if you tell this story from the perspective of the kid it basically is just Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. where he's just he keeps all the adults keep ignoring him to yeah. the point where he can scale this giant replica of a spaceship and try to get God to take him to heaven. Eventually she pulls him aside and says that, you know, Freddy's not here baby cuz mama killed him or whatever. And then <laughs> yeah. she knocks back some more vodka. <laughs> yeah, pops a couple more pills yeah. and calls it a night. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, do you guys have anything else you want to talk about with this before we wrap it up? Amanda, up to you. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I don't know. Th- this was a really weird one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of the reason I watched it a, a five or six times is because I had a huge crush on that babysitter when I was younger. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cute. <laughs> super, super plain looking girl, right up my, right up my alley. <laughs> No, she's she was she's cute. Hey, look, the, the way she 
the way <laughs> she punched out that nurse, yeah, it revised my opinion. Of Honestly, her. kind of my type, but. I, I think I think we can all agree though that Heather Langenkamp has like the best hair in any movie I've ever seen. Oh my god, yeah. yes! In all of horror, she I think she must have the best hair. It's unbelievable. Very thick and tossy. You can just toss it everywhere. It just it, it sticks. It's like Elaine Bennis' hair. It seems like I'm <laughs> deeply deeply jealous of her hair. Um, yeah, I, I kind of just as my final thing want to talk about like the fashion choices in mm, this movie. Yes, it just visually, yeah. Visually, it's such a weird movie. Like, like it's a weird movie in every way, but especially in that way. And I do wonder if if it were shot a little differently, whether that be darker or more dreamlike. Like, there are definitely moments where this movie tries to blur reality and dreams, yeah. and and sometimes succeeds pretty well. But I think it would be helped if visually it, it sort of went leaned into that theme more. Yeah, it it I think that plays into my feelings about it, where it feels like on top of the idea pitch uh, from Wes Craven, the 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 follow up pitch was: listen, this isn't going to be a hard movie to make, Robert. You're you're going to actually get to wear nice clothes yeah. instead <laughs> of a mask and a ripped up sweater. Everyone's going to look good. Yeah. You know, this is going to be bing, bang, boom. We're going to get it done. Don't worry about it. Like, it feels like that. It's like yeah. there's no character in the clothes except for this looks nice. Yeah. Or for the time, this looks nice. Yes. And the same with the, the way it's shot and everything. Yeah, I um, I, I, I don't think Craven is a good director. Um, like, I just, <laughs> I just don't. He's the least scary horror director. I think mm-hmm. I can come up with really like I just don't he, he he doesn't seem he doesn't seem to have a strong grasp and is, especially in this movie but I think it trickles into the other movies the other movies are just probably made more effectively and in, in the case of some of them maybe made less effectively but mm-hmm. he, he doesn't he seems to have no interestingly he seems to have little interest in the psychology of horror in a lot of ways. And see, that's sorry. I was going to say, I was going to say the exact opposite because I think he's more interested in the psychology or like the, the ideas and themes of it than he is in actually doing those things. I I would say he's interested in the occult ideas of things, but he's not, he's not interested in why that is scary to people. Yeah, sure. Sure. He's, He's a concept guy. Like, like he likes conceptually the idea of he a likes story haunted that house. does this. Yeah, he yeah, likes the haunted yeah. house. Yeah, but he doesn't like the details. It. Yeah, yeah. He's, and I, I, he, I think he, that's just, sorry, I'll, I just think that's the weakness. Like other great horror directors, I'm like, wow, that's a creepy idea. Or what a like creepy way to film that. Or like what, a, mm. what an unsettling idea that they've exposed here. Craven is like, I got a guy with knives. I'll have him pop out at people every once yeah. in a while. It's like that. I don't know. That's not as effective to me. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing with I, he. He also. I've always kind of gotten the feeling from him that he doesn't particularly like making these movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so while he finds something that something about it that he does grasp onto that he finds interesting, whether that's like this meta commentary on the franchise or this Hansel and Gretel allegory or whatever mm-hmm. he doesn't when it comes down to okay now here's the part where the guy gets his throat cut open he would rather not do that 
or like he yeah. thinks that stuff is beneath him. Mm-hmm. But he's never really excelled at the other stuff to the point where I, he's not David Cronenberg, yeah. right? Where you start <laughs> yeah. off making these like body horror splatter pictures, and then eventually you make like uh, Eastern Promises or something, which is like dense with character work and theme, still has some weird shit in it, yeah. But is you know he's clearly changed and advanced his his line of thinking. Um, yeah, I, I don't think he ever really got past being just sort of like a middle of the road get it done kind of guy yeah 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 his aesthetic his aesthetic and his choices are just sort of they're weird to me because they're they're someone they're from somebody who is very dedicated to the genre but doesn't like doesn't feel like a fan of Mm -hmm. the genre to me Mm -hmm. like i'm sure he is but just the way he, the way these movies come out, it, it's sort of like he's not loving about the details. Right. He's willing to sort of gloss over to get to his sort of darlings in, mm. in whatever he's been writing. Like if you can tell which scenes he likes, sure, because there's a little more meat to them. You kind of linger a little longer there. There's some really great set piece or something, mm-hmm. and then everything else in between is just sort of like, well, I, I don't know, how do people act? Like they're in their house. Yeah, that's yeah. it. He, you could tell he really liked that one scene between Heather and uh, Bob Shea, where it's shot really awkwardly, where it's got both of them on either side of a coffee table, and oh, then yeah. the the secretary or whoever comes in, oh, and yeah. just leans down right in front of the camera, yep. so it's like camera barrel right down the middle of her shirt. <laughs> All the secretaries. I mean, there. I only saw two. They were babes. Yeah. Like that first when when Heather first walks in and that very gorgeous receptionist just mm-hmm. looks her up and down and is like I'm sorry who are you I was that's, like I I okay that's kind of what I, like I feel like that was in the pitch where he's like yeah, yeah. Bob you're gonna be in it yeah you're gonna you're gonna you're play gonna be you surrounded by beautiful women surrounded by hot chicks yeah everybody who's hot wants to work for you it'll be great <laughs> just give me you'll the money. have your uh, your Andy Warhol rip off Freddy Krueger pop art yes. behind you which Clay I want to find one of those for you so bad <laughs> oh I'm sure you can find those just, I'm yeah, sure that exists be on the somewhere. internet uh, um. Yeah, and then add to that just the the very weird ending of this, the very very end, the last scene. Very again, very in the mouth of madness. But she just she they went she, just, she reads it to yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> she reads it to him. I can't I can't get over it. Like the like, story that just happened oh when your God. father in real life was yes, murdered by this guy. Yes, let's talk about all the traumatic horrible things that just happened. Let's just read them out loud. Listen, kids like, kids like a story. They just want to hear that story over and oh over God. again. That's yeah. all good ones. <laughs> I guess so. so final final question. Uh, because I've heard multiple interviews with people talking about this movie say this. Mm. And I don't know where to fall. And they only say it because of Scream and because of the culture of meta pop culture that came after Scream with your clerks and your et cetera, et cetera. Do you feel this movie is ahead of its time? No. No. I, I wouldn't say it feels ahead of its time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think so. I if I don't think the idea is good enough. No, I think you have to be good to be ahead of your time, kind of. Like <laughs> or, you or it, oh, sorry, or at least just be fully formed. Yes. Yeah, like more, even if more, the execution was lacking. Yeah, if if there was if there was a solid concept behind it even if the execution wasn't as great, 
I would be willing to say like, well, yeah, I, I, I think visionary wise it's there, but I, but I don't with yeah. this one. This, I mean, if you, if you really want to give this that kind of credit, it's like, it's like going back to 1963 and finding the first band to use an organ in their in their rock band it's yeah. like well yeah. they were really ahead of their time it's like well it was also the only thing they had to play right so you know it's not deep purple right it's was, ever, guy, was they, every they also have an organ yeah. was every artist just completely unironic to this point like it they they clearly had to it's just weird like scream probably kick-started something but mm. like you know i i I would have to go. Uh, there must be horror movies from the seventies and eighties that are kind of doing the same thing. Oh, sure, this. there yeah. sure are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you know, I think one of the reasons why this doesn't why this doesn't work as well as Scream does is because if you really want to do what Scream is doing in this franchise, you're making essentially a latter series Nightmare on Elm Street movie because those movies yeah. get super referential of themselves. Yeah, very meta, where you've got like. Freddie looking down the barrel of the camera and they're making all sorts of jokes that are like references <laughs> and other stuff and like mm. then it, that's what they were trying to get away from and I think that's probably why Scream is so successful because it is a new thing that lets you look at the genre as a whole yeah instead of zeroing in on something very specific like this yeah, yeah. And, I, and I stand by my statement that this is this feels like a first draft to me like there are hints at that kind of thing like like the sort of vague like references towards the shining mm-hmm. or poltergeist or things like that where it's a little like yeah i can i can see that he's drawing from other iconic horror movies in this yeah but he just doesn't he's like still too wrapped up in in just referencing back to that little core in group that mm-hmm. was involved in making a nightmare on elm street yeah yeah well, I think that's going to do it for us with Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Would you guys, uh, who would you recommend this to? Wes? No, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't recommend oh, this a movie. Fit, fine answer. That that works. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I have a, I'd have a hard time recommending the original. Really, like in in, really? in, this, oh, in the sense of <laughs> in the sense of um, like if someone is like, hey, I, I I've got a month to go here. Like, give me five great horror <laughs> movies to watch. <laughs> Nightmare wouldn't be on that list, I don't think. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this one... That's because everyone's already seen it and loves it. Wes. My my wife Amy came in and watched <laughs> this one, and she she is fairly unfamiliar with it. She knows the, the series and everything, but mm-hmm. she just she was watching it and going, Freddy Krueger's kind of goofy. Is he supposed to be goofy? Like, is he goofy like this? Why is he so goofy? And I, I, I just don't think that it's really that effective of a character. He's kind of, he's kind of overshot his potential in a lot of ways culturally, mm-hmm. and I just don't think that he's that strong. So yeah. y- your answer to the recommendation question is you wouldn't. I would not recommend. <laughs> yeah, j- just to tag <laughs> I on not. that, I, I, uh, I, I, I think I said in the last one or uh, when we did Nightmare on Elm Street, I think if you. I think if you were to try and revamp Freddy, it would have to be a ground up re re imagining because mm. I don't think you can really do I think it would be very tough to do Robert Englund style Freddy Krueger now and make him legitimately scary. And he's he's actually not that funny in this one. He's not No, he's and he's, he's not, not supposed, supposed to be. To be. Yeah, yeah, this this is supposed to be the scary one. Yeah, I was going to say if if Amy thought this one was goofy, then yeah. go ahead and help her with the other ones. <laughs> Um, it's true. It's, it's just the performance. Yeah. There's something strange about it. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, so I, I would recommend this to fans of prior Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Mm. And uh, I Full would... Full stop. Yeah. And, and I would recommend this to Wes Craven himself. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I would, I would probably agree with that. Um, I think in order to really enjoy this one, you have to kind of understand the, the time when it came out. And yeah. how big of a deal. It's like looking back at The Simpsons, right? And mm. trying to explain to a child now <laughs> that Bart Simpson was like the biggest thing in the world for like five years. Yeah. Or maybe even shorter than that. But there was a period of time where <laughs> Bart Simpson was, Bart Simpson and The Simpsons were the biggest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. And then and Cartman overtook him for about four yeah. years. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> but I think it's very difficult to contextualize that now. Yeah. Well, Clay, you can't see the jokes because they re-aspect ratioed the show. That's true. That's true. <laughs> they, well, luckily they are fixing that. Uh, but like, I think that's why Scream, for as dated as it was, as we mentioned when we talked about it, I think that w- that still works because that's more of a universal look. Whereas this one, for in order for this one to really work, you have to understand who Freddy is, yep. how big he was at the time. Yep. And the, who the people are in this movie yeah, that you, are involved. Yeah, you had to have watched, at minimum, A Nightmare on Elm Street. And I would argue you'd benefit from having watched, uh, like, two and three as well. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah being, being because, unfamiliar with the cast is kind of catastrophic to this movie. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I will 100% admit, even though we only watched A Nightmare on Elm Street a couple months ago, I completely forgot that, that um, John Saxon is... is the cop who right. is who is right. Nancy's dad. You, that, you I think forgot, that's bad. I forgot it was her dad. You I think that's bad. I just realized right now, I don't think in this movie anyone says Robert Englund, the guy who plays Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Probably I could be true. wrong. I could be wrong. Yeah, but I they like that's the sort of thing you just take for granted going yes. into this. Yes. Um, yeah. Th- that, I, that's why I say this movie is very much for fans of the prior movies. Yeah. It feels like a big in joke, and I feel like. Even just watching it myself, I feel like there were things that I missed, that there were references I missed, mm-hmm. there were jokes and, and you know, metatextual gestures that I completely missed mm-hmm. because I'm not super familiar with the other ones. Right, right, yeah. Just watch the third yeah. one. The third one's the best nightmare. In I was going to say, uh, right. that one is on this list, so if, if you would like to come back and round out our Do Elm it. Street discussion and talk about the third one, we'd be happy to have you. Sure. I, just, I remember that one being <laughs> the only one that took full grasp of the concept of what yes. this was supposed to be mm. more or less yeah yeah i mean i just like the wes on wes hatred that's right so I, I, I like I, how you guys thought you it. needed a guy named wes to come in to explain <laughs> yeah. the mindset of a person named wes. we had yeah. a quota we had to hit there can be only one <laughs> it's nice when anyway. i run into people with that name because it doesn't happen every often very uh, very often well anytime you do you say well not craven right because <laughs> fuck that guy <laughs> You're a bad director. The go-to Wes is Snipes, actually. Everyone says Wes is Snipes. Yeah, I get Clay Aiken a lot, which really... (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. And then they punch you in the arm. Growing growing up, it was uh, anytime I was in art class and the Clay came out, everyone would look at me and kind of giggle. (laughs) And then I was like, it can't get worse than this. And then Clay Aiken appeared. So I was like, well, I guess it can always be worse. Well, my husband is a ginger. So everyone who's ever had red hair, he gets called. Uh, Yes, I've seen that happen. You have seen that happen. Uh, But yeah, that's going to do it. Thanks, guys, for for coming in and talking about this. I uh, hit the randomizer button. And I think next time, I'm happy about this because it's actually a movie that came out in the last five years. Uh, is going to be number four Ooh. 
A Quiet Place, <gasps> which I can't believe it's number four. Wow, yeah, that's number four. Interesting. But that's how Rotten Tomatoes scoring works, I guess. So, uh, yeah, thank you guys for coming on. Thank you, Wes. Thank you, Amanda. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we will see you next time at A Quiet Place. Bye.